Hi, St. Clair. Thank you, Brian. Uh, man, it's been a long time. Uh, if I can quote Nacho Libre, and I will, how are you? Okay. Um, I am going to read scripture. I should get serious here. Uh, it is good to be with you, though. We can't see you long for that day. Um, our scripture reading for us this morning is Psalm 4, a psalm of David. He says, answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Tremble and do not sin. When you're on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. That's Psalm 4 for us this morning. St. Clair, I... Uh, well, I'll start by telling us a story. Um, just a small little experience that I had this summer that I found that I came back to a few times reflecting on. Uh, it would have been earlier this summer. I was biking um, out kind of like Dundas, Flamborough, um, a bit sort of at the city limit uh, on a really nice day. And uh, I'm kind of out near Webster Falls biking and uh, something catches my eye. I see among uh, a row of houses in the front yard of, of one house, uh, a big, bright, yellow kind of object. And as I'm paddling again closer, I realize, oh man, this is like the quintessential lemonade pop-up stand. Someone, you know, in, in every way that you imagine the classic lemonade kind of pop-up stand, this was it. And it was a bright, beaming yellow. And I saw someone was was there kind of behind the booth. Uh, I'm riding, I'm just, I'm kind of flying by, but I want to get a glimpse. But then something struck me when I, when I got there, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't see lemonade and the writing, it didn't say lemonade anywhere. It actually said on the banner above, it said pop-up advice, five cents. And then below, you know, in the booth, it said the doctor is in. And I, I'm like, I look. And it is, I can't make this up, it's a, like a 10, 12-year-old girl just sort of like sitting there like looking, waiting for someone to stop in a front yard that has no sidewalk. It's just odd traffic going by. And here is this little girl offering advice to the world. And the best I could do in that moment was just keep riding, kind of give a thumbs up. And she smiled back. Uh, but it it kind of stuck with me. It, it struck me how funny it is these days that it just it seems like everyone, 
everyone seems to have advice to give or maybe even claims to be an expert on the way that the world should be. I just don't know that any of us have have really experienced or seen a moment like this where there are so many competing, competing claims on how the world ought to be. And so I I think we have to ask ourselves some really key questions as a church community to say, who are we in the midst of this world that we find ourselves? How do we find our place in the world when everything seems turned upside down? What does it mean even to be a moral human being when it would seem like no one can actually agree on what morality looks like? How do we... Do we be a compelling expression of the church when the church's reputation has taken a serious hit? Why even follow the radical way of Jesus when so many others are trying to build their claim on how to save the world? Like, why even consider Jesus in the midst of everything? I hope to speak to that this morning. Every fall at St. Clair, we take time as a community to remind ourselves of what matters most to us. We do this every year. We look at what defines us as a community, what brings us together, and what sends us out. And the practice of remembering is really important because you see it repeated constantly to the people of God not to forget who they are, where they have come from, and where they are going. And so we're, we're seeking to do the same this morning and over these coming weeks to remind ourselves who we are, who we've been called to be. And I think really before we can take a next step into this year, a year that is still full of great unknowns, we want to firmly establish why we do what we do as St. Clair. Our vision remains the same. St. Clair exists to make disciples of Jesus by living as a family on mission in the Sherman Hub in Hamilton and the world. That, that hasn't changed for us. That feels no less important today than it did in the early days of this church finding its feet. And the outworking remains the same as well. The practices of prayer, scripture, hospitality, generosity, and Sabbath, these are the disciplines that Form us in the ways of God and shape us to learn to live the life of Jesus. These are the things that continue to hold us. And the values of St. Clair, these, these principles that help give foundation for the practices to be lived out so that we can realize the vision. Well, the values have morphed a bit along the way for us. They haven't actually necessarily become different but they have adapted uh, for that we could gain as much clarity as possible to say this is who we are. In a way, you could say our values have, have kind of redefined as we have matured as a community and as we've learned to grow up. Historically, for St. Clair, we've said that we hold the values of story, family, mission, discipleship. And maybe some of the OGs uh, would, would know that that was on repeat quite a bit uh, in the early days. And um, that those have continued to be very central and important to us. Stories about this sense of knowing God's narrative, the story that we are invited un- into, and understanding the cultural moment that we are a part of. Family is about belonging 
as the family of God through a covenant relationship to God and to each other. And mission is about becoming the people of God through living out our kingdom responsibility. And discipleship is learning to live the life of Jesus. That's the kind of language we've used to talk about who we are. Story helps orientate us to where we have come from. And discipleship is the end to which that we are always working towards. But how do we live in the in-between of that space? Well, we would say, and this is a growing language for us, that it's about presence, family, and mission. There's three, three things that if you're to boil St. Clair down as simple as possible, these are the values that help us live out our vision and inform our practices. Presence is about our relation to God. Family is about our relationship to one another. And mission is about our place in the world. In a way, you could say it's about loving God, loving one another, and loving our neighbor or the world. Some might be familiar with the language of up, in, and out. Henry Nouwen talks about the three movements of the spiritual life. And he would say that presence is like solitude. It's us, just us, being known before God. And that family is about hospitality, that we learn to welcome one another as family. And that mission is the place of ministry. It's where we live out a call to make known the love of God. And really, for all three of these areas to be integrated into our lives, we believe that this is what Jesus was talking about when he talked about the abundant life. The maturity in our life comes when those spheres are working in cooperation together and not in competition against each other. As our relation to God, the sense of presence, forms our identity with one another, sense of family, it will give vision to our fit in the world mission. They're all integrated, complementing pieces. All three are essential to a whole full, thriving, flourishing, fruitful, abundant life. So if you were to say, what is St. Clair about? We're about living that kind of life. And we think we're called to do it through presence, family, and mission. This morning, as, as best as we're able with, with a, a short, small window, we want to speak to presence. And in the next two weeks to come, we'll be family and about mission to repeat and remind for us again how we live these things in this day, in this time. It's worth saying a little more about presence. We hold that God is the great initiator, that we love him because he first loved us. God does not remain as like an abstract idea or a distant reality, but we believe that we live in a God-soaked world and that his presence can be known in the right here, right now of our life. And it's worth stating that again, because the implications of that are actually pretty huge. It's our fundamental core belief that God is present and active in the world, and that we see that most clearly through Jesus. That Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And he came and he took up residence in our midst to be present with us. 
the Gospel of John, in one translation says that, you know, and God moved into the neighborhood, that God, Emmanuel, has come to be with us. And so to talk about the presence of God as forming and shaping our lives is centrally is so central and essential to how we understand Jesus. The early writers in the New Testament, First uh, John specifically, they talk about how Jesus is the life source of everything, that the world is created through him. And now the life in First John 1, 2 says, the life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And God has come in our midst that the one who holds all things together, the source of life, is offering us new life in our midst. And we very simply are people who are giving witness to a God who is alive, that loves us, who has revealed himself to us, who is for us and not against us, whose presence is near And if you want to boil it down even more, you could just say when we talk about presence, we're talking about Jesus. And maybe we have to clarify that these days to say, when we seek to be the church, we're a community that is about Jesus. We all, that's our common touch point, is that all of our lives have been touched in some way by Jesus. And we are learning together this thing of discipleship of learning to live the life of Jesus, because we just know that we cannot do it on our own. So Psalm 4 that was uh, that I read for us. Um, we spent our, our summer looking at the Psalms as a sort of guide to the spiritual life in these days. And, and so it felt appropriate to draw once more from the Psalms. And I do want to thank and applaud. There's nine different people from our community this summer that preached and taught from the Psalms. And they, honestly, they did an amazing job. In my own experience, I just, I haven't been a part of a church with so many gifted and passionate teachers. It's, it's very humbling. And the teaching that was offered this summer was really good. And it's still all available online, so it's worth going back to. Um, But thank you again to those that uh, served as guides for us this summer. Let me offer just some brief thoughts on Psalm 4 that I think are helpful and relevant for the moment that we find ourselves in. That comes from the mouth of David, and we heard it in verse 1. Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Verse 1, David is, is bringing this complaint to God. He has a need to be heard. And perhaps some of us share in that prayer these days. Give me relief from my distress. Verse 2. He shifts his attention to those around him and he shakes his fist and said, How long will I be disgraced? How much more do I have to put up with shame from everyone? 
And then as though he's seen it just far too long, he agonizes over how much longer the world will go mad. How much more deception and falsehood can we take? How many more lies and delusions before someone says enough? David offered this prayer a long time ago, but it feels like it has teeth for for right now. Does it sound familiar? I think verse 6 gives us the response we need. He says, Many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? He says this, Lord, let the light of your face shine on us. In a world where people, in this moment for David, are crying out, who will show us any good? David's answer, his prayer, is that God would let his light be seen in a dark place. St. Clair, it's our hope. It's our claim to the world that God has not turned his face away from us, but rather he longs to make himself known to reveal himself in our midst, that his face might shine upon us, that his presence may be near. The wonderful and the perplexing reality of God is that he, is, he often does this in ways that we least suspect or perhaps want. His light comes in the midst of darkness. His aroma of life is realized along with the stench of death. To embrace this and share in this kind of prayer is actually very daunting and difficult. Miroslav Volf is a, is a contemporary current day theologian, and, and, and I read a tweet of his uh, not too long ago that is trying to make sense of this sense of life and light in the moment that we find ourselves right now. Let me read what what he wrote. He said, We are in a crisis. Pandemic, racist violence, political uncertainty, cultural clashes, economic downturn. All this is exposing fragility of our lives and calls our way of life as individuals and society into question. The truth is we must be confronted with fragility and death to seek a more promising life. That's Jesus. The healthy do not need and do not seek a doctor. We are sick and yet faced with death Most of us crave not a new life, but the life we've always known, the very life whose cracks the crisis is exposing. So there's there's a part two to my uh, drive-by pop-up stand experience. Uh, I was so struck by this little girl uh, with so much hope and innocence in her eyes that I said, okay, I'm going to... You know, the point that I'm going to loop back, I'm going to make sure I go by this house again. And if she's still out there, I'm going to stop this time. And so as I make my way back, 
I noticed she, not only is she out there, but now her brother has joined her as well. And so I, I pull over and I, I, I stop my bike and they, they, you know, they start coming alive and coming over to me. And, uh, and I asked them, guys, it's, it's, it says the doctor's in. Are, are you guys the doctors? And they really quickly said, yeah, well, uh, kind of, sort of, I mean, we're, we're just kids. I said, okay. I said, guys, uh, you, you say that you're, you're giving advice for five cents. I didn't bring my wallet. I, I, would, I wish I could buy some. And, uh, and the brother, who must have been a couple of years younger uh, than his sister, looked and said, oh, no, that's, that's okay. The first advice is free. The second one will cost you. I said, oh, great, guys. I, okay, I, I will take the first advice. And he just looks at me and he says, my advice is bring your wallet next time. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, who is this kid? <laughs> and then he had a little smirk on his face. He knew what he was doing. Uh, and then uh, his sister came in and said, well, we're, we're just trying to raise money for charity. But but we can give advice for free if, if that's okay. And I said, yeah, that." That's totally fine. Uh, so I took a second and I was like, oh man, I should probably ask a good question. Uh, and so I asked a question that I, I genuinely was like, I don't know if I know the answer to this. So I'm curious to know uh, what they would say. I looked at the girl and I said, so what do you think we need to make the world a better place? And then she looked at me and she took a moment to pause and to think about it. And then, and then she said, well, it starts with each of us. And she was totally serious. <laughs> I was like, who is this person? I was like, I'm trying to pass her community. Do you, do you want to come join and help? Like, you look like you have a lot of wisdom to offer. And it, it, it was amazing. I, it actually, I was like, is this a new little Dorothy Day in our midst? Is Dorothy Day a Catholic social activist through the 20th century she said this, she said, the greatest challenge of the day is how to bring a revolution of the heart, a revolution which has to start with each one of us. Oh, it was, it was wonderful. And I actually, like, I thanked them. And then I, I saw that there was actually a jar uh, with some coins in it. And so I said, oh, guys, what, uh, you know, what, what are you actually raising money for? And uh you know, they encouraged me to come back with my wallet next time. Uh, but she she was trying to remember as I asked her what, what charity they were giving money towards. And she's like, oh, yeah, what, what are we giving? Oh, yeah, okay. She's like, we're giving to Black Lives, Animals in the Rainforest, and the Ocean. And I was like, this is the, the highlight of my summer. <laughs> like, you, can, you kids are going to change the world. They're just giving money to... Black lives in the ocean, because that's what you do. <laughs> it, uh, oh, man, it was great. But I honestly, she's, she's right. Like, for all the plight of the world, our call as Christians is to lean in to the presence of God. That our very own lives would be changed and transformed and that the work does start with us. That that never gets bypassed. God is never overlooking us to achieve some other end. 
He is using us and he is reconciling us to him that we then would be these ministers of reconciliation. That is the story of God and his people. And we are invited into that. And I, th- I think we get this, this sort of helpful glimpse in Psalm 4 of how do we, like, where do you actually start with that sense of it starts with each of us when it feels like the world is going mad? Verse 4 says, tremble and do not sin. When you're on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. A lot of translations will will offer this, and it actually says, be angry and do not sin. And the root word for that tremble means to be agitated or perturbed or even to quiver. The assumption is, is that there are things worth being mad about. And there's so much that does not allow for a response of indifference. But the instruction that David is giving here is not to respond to sin with more sin. Not to make the problem worse by getting in the way. But first, before anything else, it is necessary to search our own hearts. And his his endorsement here is to do it in silence, in stillness, in solitude. Imagine for a moment a world where before anyone responds to anything online, everyone takes some time at night to contemplate in quiet on their bed whether what they want to say is actually beneficial or good. Instantly, the world would be a little more wise and I think a lot more kind. But that's just at the very least. There's a kind of life as the followers of Jesus that we are being called into where we are to search our hearts, resist the need to always be heard. In places of silence and solitude, be reminded that God is with us, that he is for us, and that he can do for us and for the world what we cannot do for ourselves. And it's in some of those quiet places that we join in David's prayer. Let the light of your face shine upon us. That's just, and that's just in part what we're talking about when we talk about presence and how that forms us and shapes us as a community. Communion is the place we continually come to as a reorientation the place to get our bearings for the story we find ourselves in when the world seems to have gone mad. It is where we come to be fully present in the presence of God. St. Clair, we love you. We are thankful for you. We're thankful for a chance to have a way of being together. And we will continue. Uh, to journey through this in the weeks and months to come. Um, Let me offer the words, the last few verses of that Psalm 4 for us as a a blessing, as a a benediction as we go. Um, I'll I'll, I'll pluralize it uh, to be sort of applicable for, for all of us coming from David's words. He says, Many, Lord, are asking, 
who will bring us prosperity. Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill our heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. In peace we will lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make us dwell in safety. St. Clair, go in that peace. Uh, We look forward to seeing you from across the street or across the way or online or all the places in between. So, peace.